Hey, hey, Jesus people. Welcome to another episode of Keto in Christ. I'm your host, Andrea Curry, and today it's just me. Um, so before we get into it, let's open in a word of prayer and dedicate this episode to Jesus Christ. Father God, we just come before you and we just thank you for this day. I thank you for this time to just come before you together and just spend some time in your word and meditating on you, Lord, in fellowship and in love, Lord. Um, I just pray, Father God, that you would have your way through this podcast and through this episode today and that you would reach the hearts out there that need you so desperately. In your holy name, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. 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 All right. Well, um, I have a verse I want to share with you guys this morning, and it comes from Matthew, I'm sorry, Mark, uh, seven verses six and seven. It says, Jesus replied, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you for he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce. Where they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. What a passage. Uh, this Sunday we were talking with the kids about being hypocrites in our faith. And I think that these words that Jesus has for these Pharisees are very valuable to us today to reflect on and to also question our own motives and intentions when we're out there serving the Lord. Um, I know for me, uh, these these words are always something to reflect and meditate on and ask God if the intentions of my heart when I'm serving are, are pure. Am I doing it for a show? Am I doing it just to be seen? Or am I doing it to bring him glory? Everything on this earth is made to give glory onto God. And ultimately, he's the one who deserves that attention and that honor. Amen? So before we get too deep into that, let's start out with just a little bit of uh, housekeeping, just some announcements for you guys. Coming this November, um, there will be a recipe series starting on my YouTube account, Keto and Christ, um, featuring a lot of low-carb and keto recipes. I say low-carb and keto because the first couple of recipes I'm going to share um, are on the higher end of the spectrum carb-wise, so not necessarily keto, but lower carb than the usual consumption of carbohydrates in a daily U.S. diet. Um, aside from that, also starting in November, there will be um, weekly couple of minute episodes of Keto in Christ, um, just quick little devotionals that I would love to share with you guys. And that's all coming up and starting November 1st. So keep an eye out for that. If you haven't yet subscribed, make sure you hit the subscribe button. If you're on YouTube, um, make sure that you're following on Spotify or anywhere else you are listening. Um, so you could keep up with those updates. The recipe videos will only be available on YouTube because unfortunately, uh, well, not unfortunately, just... <laughs> The way of the life of a podcast, there is no video aspect to Spotify and iTunes and etc. So um, if you want to see some of those recipes, um, be sure to tune in there. I'm going to be attempting, and I say attempting, and yes, I'm going to share the video even if it turns out terrible. Um, I'm going to be attempting to make my father's apple dumplings um, 
many of you who do not know, my father passed away when I was 18. And I've just been super nostalgic lately and just thinking about him. Um, and I went apple picking last week. So um, I'm looking forward to trying out his recipe, but trying to make it low carb, which is hard to do with apples because apples are already higher in the carb spectrum um, when it comes to just their makeup and the way that they are. So it should be a very um, interesting attempt um, and we'll see, see what we could do. But I am excited for that. I'm also going to be making a soup with some squash that I bought when I was up at that same farm. So it's going to be a very um, vegetarian friendly episode. Because um, from what I recall, I don't believe that the dough requires any eggs or anything of that sort. So, yes, it will be a <laughs> low-carb and vegetarian-friendly episode. Um, so, how has keto been going? Um, it's actually been going really, really well. And um, when I first go on keto, uh, when I get back onto it strict, the first thing I do before I start even counting calories or going back to the gym or anything like that, I always like to start by just completely uh, removing any form of carbohydrates from my home. That's step one. Step two is removing them from my system. This part takes a little bit more time and that's why I focus on that prior to focusing on anything else. Because especially if you are brand new to keto and you've never done it before, um, removing carbs and sugar from your system can be quite the feat. I mean, sugar is a serious addiction and I don't think most of us realize just how addicted to sugar we are until we try to get rid of it. And if you've been living in this high carbohydrate, high sugar life, for a very long time and then all of a sudden you're like hey I'm gonna remove all these things your brain goes ha, 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 I don't think so no um, and it could be quite a struggle um, for those of you who maybe never tried keto or don't know anything about it um, a lot of people who begin it go through something known as the keto flu um, it's during those first few days where you are removing the carbs and the sugar from your system, you get some headaches, you, you kind of have like all the flu-like symptoms. You feel very fatigued, um, and just really, you feel sick. Um, and it's because you're withdrawing from the carbs. I mean, can, can you really like imagine this? I mean, you know, you hear all the time about, you know, drug addicts and, and other people going through withdrawals, right? But you you go through that when you remove carbs and sugars from your diet, which is always fascinating to me that these food items have such a huge effect on our body, on our mind, and we don't even realize it until we try to remove them. Um, just the, the massive amount that control that food has um, on us. And it's just crazy. And I think back sometimes to some stories in the Bible. Of course, there's uh, the Daniel fast. If, you, if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, 
you've probably heard of the Daniel Fast. And if you're new, if you're not a Christian, um, I'll give you a brief kind of rundown of what it is. So it's a biblical um, diet slash fast that people um, go on from time to time. And it is found in the book of Daniel in um, the very beginning in chapter one, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because I always got to mention my boys, um, they were Daniel's boys. So these, these uh, four Jewish men, they are in Babylonian captivity and they want to have all of the strong men from Israel come and eat at the table of the king. He wants them to get stronger. He wants them to be warriors for them. So included in those strong men of Israel are Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel. And now Daniel is not okay with feasting at the king's table because the things that are lining this table are not in accordance with the law of God. And he wants to honor God with his body. He wants to honor God with his diet. So he pulls aside the guard and says, hey, I, I, I can't eat of the king's table. Give me give me pulse food. Give me food from the ground. Give me, you know, plants, basically, um, legumes, um, vegetables, all sorts of things that are grown in the ground. Nothing that has a pulse. Um, and I will eat that, and I promise you I will be stronger than any of these people that are eating of the king's table. And at first the guard is like, what? That's, that's impossible. I need to present you strong to the king when he comes to check on you. I can't, I, I can't give you vegetables. How, how is a soldier going to be strong on vegetables? Like th this was just seemed silly to him. Well, Daniel was not going to budge and his boys, his homies, um, his accountability partners, his encouragers, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego join him in requesting this diet. And the guard ends up giving in and saying, yeah, okay, fine. I will give you pulse food. I will give you vegetables, but you, you need to, you need to be strong. Like you need to, to present yourself strong before the king. Otherwise, he's going to kill me. I will die. Um, so anyway, um, over those couple of weeks, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel, they go um, on this diet of just eating things from the ground that God had grown. And in doing so, they honor God. And um, the guard comes and finds them stronger than all the other men of Israel, all these other Jewish believers who had given in and eaten of the king's table and in doing so have broken the law of God. Um, and Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego end up being the strongest out of all of them. And the Bible says that God gave them wisdom greater than anyone in Babylon, especially to Daniel. Um, and as we go further on in the story of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we see them just raising up to be giants of faith 
in their walks with God. Um, Shirak, Meshach, and Abednego get thrown into a furnace because they refuse to bow down to an idol to King Nebuchadnezzar. And when confronted by King Nebuchadnezzar about uh, this lack of obedience, are even quick to tell him, you know, King, we're not going to be shy about answering you in this matter. Our God could deliver us out of this furnace. But even if he doesn't, he is still worthy to be praised. And they get thrown into this furnace. And behold, there is a fourth man in the fire. King Nebuchadnezzar loved these men. He didn't want to throw them in a furnace. But back in those times, once a king made a decree, he could not walk away from it. And since he had decreed that anybody who doesn't bow to the statue gets, you know, taken care of, um, he could not he could not remove that decree. So he throws them into the fire, but he can't sleep. He can't sleep. He's up all night, um, just hoping that they survive, hoping that they're okay. And then he looks and in the fire, he sees them all walking around and a fourth man walking around with them. And he tells them, Hey, hurry up, get these men out of there. And this furnace was so hot. It says in, in the book of Daniel, it says that it was so hot that the guards that placed them in there burned alive just from being near it and yet these three men come out of the fire unharmed unsinged and um you know the king nebuchadnezzar says praise the god of shadrach meshach and abednego and then later on we see daniel um in a similar circumstance where there's this decree made that nobody could pray to any other gods except for the king and Daniel, in boldness, goes up into his house. And back in those times, um, and even still today, one of the things that, um, you know, Jewish people do is they, they pray and they pray out loud and they pray facing towards Jerusalem. Um, and so Daniel does this. He, he goes up into his house. He goes before an open window and he starts praying towards Jerusalem. Um, as, and it says, as was his habit, as was something that he did on a regular basis. This wasn't something new. He wasn't doing it just for a show. He was doing it because this was what he did on a daily basis. And because of that, he gets thrown into a lion's den. And we see in scripture that God closes a lion's mouth and gives Daniel the victory in that arena as well. He ends up being pulled out of the lion's den. That king as well, I believe it was King Darius. Um, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, sorry. Um, but the king it also, again, it really loves Daniel. He didn't want to throw him in there, but um, he was forced to once he had made that decree to, to go through with his own law. And you see Daniel come out of the lion's den unharmed, um, and the king is rejoicing and again saying, praise the God of Daniel. Um, so these men with their obedience and their decision to follow God didn't bring glory onto themselves, but it brought glory onto God. Um, and isn't that what we're called to do as Christians, as believers in Jesus? We're called to bring glory to him through our actions, the attention we receive, anything that we do. Um, should be given back to him and pointed back to him. So um, 
I know I started talking about diet, but that kind of falls into even that verse that we read before about where our hearts are at. You know, your lips could say all the right things, but ultimately where your intention lies and why you do the things that you do um, are really what matter more than anything. And for Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel, um, this started with their obedience to God through their diet. And that's what I'm trying to do in coming back to keto and um, focusing on my diet and on my exercise and on my body, um, building up this temple that God has given me. Now, for many people, food is a struggle. And for me, it certainly has been through the years. You know, I know when I was younger, I always used food as a comfort. Um, I went through a lot of abuse. And so from the time that I was very small, food became something that I used to self-soothe and to help me get through the stress and the pain that I was going through. And as a result, I gained a lot of weight and I gained it fast. Um, I went into kindergarten as an obese child. Um, and if you look at pictures of me um, from when I was four to when I was five, you could see the drastic uh, difference. You know, I go from being like a little stick figure. There's a picture of me standing next to a thing of Italian bread and um, you, you can't tell which one's the Italian bread, you know, <laughs> um, to being, you know, um, in kindergarten over, I, I want to say close to um, 100 pounds. And I don't know what the average is in kindergarten. Hold on. I'm going to Google this right now. Let's see. What is the average weight? The average weight for a five-year-old. Right, because you're five when you go into kindergarten. Yeah, so <laughs> typically at the age of five, um, a child is about 43 inches tall and weighs about 43 pounds. I was double that size. So I was already close to 100 pounds in kindergarten. And that weight continued to grow throughout the years. In middle school, I was already at 300 pounds. And in high school, I topped out at around 400 pounds. And now, you know, I didn't think about it much when I was that size, mostly because I stopped weighing myself once I got over 250. Like once I saw the scale get to that extent, I became so depressed. And I was like, you know what, I don't I don't even want to know anymore what I weigh. And at the time, I was not following Christ. I was not a Christian. Um, and so I would attempt in my own power and my own strength to curb my appetite through all sorts of things. Um, and nothing seemed to help. I remember going to this one place called LA weight loss at one point, and they put me on this, um, regiment that required me to first start with a three day, um, fast where all I could eat was shrimp and oranges. And I do not suggest this to anyone. It was not a fun experience. Um, but I did lose 10 pounds in three days, which if you do any of the research into health and wellness, 
you'll know that losing weight that quickly is not healthy. The healthiest way to lose weight is to be losing it maybe one pound a week, okay? Um, that is sustainable. That is healthy. That is going to allow your body the time to have all of its functions work properly with your weight loss as you're going down. Um, you know, cause there's all sorts of things that happen in your body. And I've done a lot of research on this and in further episodes, um, I'm going to be concentrating specifically on different areas of, you know, um, all the different worlds of food, different diets, all, all, we'll talk about diet culture. We'll talk about all of these different things. Um, because I think it's really important for us to discuss, especially as believers, um, because, all of these things that happen in the world, they, they, they get caught up in us too. Um, when it comes to caring about what we look like, caring about our diet, being obsessive over diets, um, we all have strongholds and different things that we need to break through. And for me, for many, many years, food was that stronghold. I was diagnosed when I was 14 with compulsive overeating, which is a eating disorder. Um, and the best way to describe it is that it's it's similar to bulimia um, in in the sense that you have this period of time where you binge and maybe eat excessive amounts of food in one sitting, um, but there's no purging aspect of it. You don't actually get rid of the food, um, and that's what causes the excess weight gain. Like I said, I was gaining weight rapidly as a young child. Um, I would hide food. I constantly, my mom would come into my room and find little storehouses uh, of things um, that I shouldn't have had, that I would just sneak out of the kitchen and, and go and hide underneath my bed. Um, but regardless of any of that, going back to, you know, um, kind of that transition. So now um, I went on all these different diets. I tried Weight Watchers, I tried fad diets, I tried juicing, I tried fasting, I tried all of these things in my own strength and my own power. Um, and when I first got saved, I was in a very depressed state. I was over 400 pounds. I was just a, an 18 year old uh, circle. <laughs> like there, there wasn't... Um, much going on in my life. I had no real reason to leave my house. So I was constantly stationary and I was a big girl. And, you know, I knew that I wasn't healthy. Diabetes runs very high in my family. Um, I knew that like, you know, a lot of people in my family had died very early because of diseases related to their diet. So I knew all this in my mind and over the years I fought so hard to try and lose the weight but I wasn't able to do it in my own strength and in my own power because um, it was an addiction um, and it was something that I used to comfort myself and I had no other healthy outlets to do so and then enters Jesus um, and <laughs> That first year that I was saved, I would say, I feel like it was kind of a miraculous thing. I didn't even think about 
my diet. I didn't even think about losing weight and I lost uh, like a hundred pounds. I went from 400 pounds to 300 pounds. Like I, I, I feel like almost overnight. Um, it wasn't overnight of course, but, um, through the succession of, of the months, just out of having this newfound love in Christ and just loving him, I wasn't thinking about food anymore. I, it took a while before I realized that I wasn't eating the way that I was. Um, and when I did, I was kind of like, huh, wow, that happened. And it wasn't actually, it wasn't even in that first year that I got saved that I realized that it was many, many years later when I went on keto the first time that I realized that something drastically had changed and I missed it. Um, I went into my favorite clothing store, Torrid, which is, you know, for the bigger ladies, a, eh? Um, and I always love them because they have such great fashion and such great things, um, that are stylish and nice. Um, because, you know, when I was a little kid, I mostly just wore t-shirts and everything. And when I was in high school, I was, um, a bit of a rocker. I was a little gothic. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I could never wear the clothes that I wanted to wear because Hot Topic didn't carry my size. So I loved Torrid because they were made for the bigger ladies and they had a lot of that aesthetic. And even now, um, when I go there, like they, they still have like a little bit of an edgy aesthetic, um, but with a more mature vibe. So I always like to say that Torrid grew up with me. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I never was able to dress the way I wanted, um, and whatever the case may be. Now I go to Torrid. I am, uh, this is back in 2019, and I went in to go buy a new pair of jeans because all of my jeans were too big, and now I had bought smaller pairs of jeans. There was a whole period of time in my life where I didn't even attempt to buy jeans. When I was in high school and everything, I didn't, I didn't want to go near, um, a jean because my size was a 26 wide and I felt embarrassed and I felt uncomfortable and it just was not something that I wanted to experience. So I would just avoid going to the store and, and buying those jeans. But now here I am in Torrid and I'm buying a 16, um, pair of pants and I held them up to me and I like I put them on and they fit perfectly and I was crying and my friend who was there with me was like why are you crying it's just a pair of jeans and I'm like no you don't understand and I grabbed the 26 um wide and I held it up and I was like you don't understand this this used to be me and then I looked at it and I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like wait I've already lost a whole person um, and at that time I had, I hadn't been on keto for that long. I was just, you know, uh, I was just starting my, my weight loss journey on keto. And I realized like, wow, God, look at what you did just from me taking steps towards obedience in you. And because of my focus on you, because of my desire for you, um, the self-soothing that I was doing through food had just kind of disappeared. And I missed it. I missed it because I was too busy enjoying this life that Christ had built around me. And so come up to now, you know, I am still a bigger lady. And, um, 
you know, I want my body to honor God. I am a diabetic. I ended up getting diagnosed with diabetes. And one of the reasons that I wanted to do keto was because in my research, I found that it had really positive effects for diabetics as well as those who have PCOS. So those were my reasonings for going on keto in the first place. It wasn't just for the outside to look a certain way because I've always felt that I am beautiful um, at every size that I've been. You know, I was a big, beautiful lady. Come on. And I used to be blonde. So I don't know if anybody is a uh, Hairspray fan, but Big Blonde and Beautiful, that song, it used to be my song. Um, Cause I'm big, blonde, and beautiful. All right. So, sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, I can't remember the words right now, but it's, it's one of my favorite songs from that musical because that's how I always viewed myself. I didn't view myself as this, um, grotesque, you know, figure. I always found myself beautiful. I always had confidence in who I was, but I knew I wasn't healthy. And because I wasn't healthy, I wasn't happy. Um, and through my relationship with God, he slowly became the bread of life <laughs> in my life. Um, which, you know, is, is who he is. I mean, you know, um, there's this whole passage actually, um, prior to the passage that I shared with you before about, uh, how people, um, their hearts are far from God, uh, where Jesus is talking to the crowd who he had fed and he tells them, you know, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs, but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the son of man can give you. For God, the father has given me the seal of his approval. Um, and I just love that because that's that that was basically my journey back then I had lost all this weight without thinking about it because I wasn't concerned with perishable things like food I just literally forgot about food for like a whole couple years and <laughs> suddenly I realized like hey I could wear jeans and be comfortable in them and I could wear stylish clothes and um, now there's a whole industry built around, um, just stylish clothes for, um, bigger ladies. And I absolutely love it. I wish that that was around when I was a child. Um, because I think that that was one of the things that was always so difficult for me was that I always had to shop in like the old lady section. Um, but praise God now I could shop in most stores. So, <laughs> um, but back to like this specific journey of keto now, um, my reasoning and my mindset behind going back to keto specifically is because it really was, and I shared this in the first episode, um, a diet that God had guided me to. And it was something that helped me more so than any other diet I've ever tried. And through God's help, I've been able to curb my appetite when it comes to sugars and carbohydrates, even when I am on the higher carb end, I'm still low carb, if that makes sense to anyone. Like even when I'm not on keto, I still don't 
have an excess amount of carbohydrates in my diet because I'm just not interested in them anymore. They're, they don't have the same pull on me that they used to. So that's kind of the, the update on keto. It's been going great. I've lost some weight. My scale is broken, so I can't tell you exactly how much, but I can tell from like the way my clothes fit and um, from just how I'm feeling that I am continuing the cycle. I'm going to be ordering my test strips to test for ketosis. Um, so going back to, sorry, I ran off on such a tangent there. So <laughs> the way that I started this out was I was explaining to you how I kind of do things on keto. So the first thing I do is get rid of all the carbohydrates in my life. For the next couple of weeks, I focus on just getting the carbs out of my system. So I don't really start counting calories until about the third week that I'm in keto. That's when I start weighing out my food. That's when I start counting my calories in my calorie out app um, and doing all those things. Because it is important if you're looking to lose weight to be in a calorie deficit. doesn't matter what diet you're on. You could... You could have all the carbs in the world or none of the carbs in the world. If you ain't in a deficit, you're just not going to lose weight. And the only way to know if you're in a deficit is to record your calories. Because otherwise, you're not going to know. There's so many ways that calories sneak up on you. Um, and I learned that my first go through with keto, I was not really good at keeping track of everything. And so I didn't really lose weight. I also wasn't eating enough fat. So I ended up being hungry all the time. And it wasn't until I did my research and really looked in to how to do the diet properly that I started doing it in a way that worked. And um, so that's what I do for the first couple of weeks. I focus on just getting all of the carbs out of my system. Then in the third week, I start weighing my food. I start counting my calories. And in the fourth week is when I really embrace going back to the gym. Um, and it is hard for me because I love lifting weights and being in the gym to take that kind of a break. Like my body is like yearning to go to the gym right now. Lucky, luckily, I've been too busy to get to the gym. But, <laughs> um, but that's going to change in the coming weeks. I'm going to start going back because now I'm right at that one month mark of being back on keto that I'm going to start going and getting my activity level higher again. Why, you might ask. Um, well, my reasoning for this is that what I found is at the time that my body is getting used to going from a carb-fueled source to when it's getting used to being a fat-fueled source, um, if I go to the gym during that transition period, I usually end up being so hungry when I leave the gym and what do I want because my body is still used to getting energy from carbs I want carbs I want bread and I don't get strong cravings for bread but when I leave the gym during that transition period my whole entire mind <laughs> my whole entire body is like give me the carbs give me the carbs um so to avoid that I will do some walking and you know some lighter exercises at home, but I won't really hit the gym and really start exercising a lot um, until I hit that fourth week. So what am I expecting to see? What are the results that um, I should see going forward? Obviously, weight loss. Um, but also what I'm looking for is for my A1C to be in a good place. I'm going to be getting blood work done 
um, pretty soon. Um, I believe, I believe I need to get it done in November. Um, so I'll, I'll share with you guys what that is. Um, the last time I had my A1C done, um, was quite some time ago. It was over a year ago now, maybe longer. Um, my, my diabetic doctor, she, she gets so mad at me sometimes because I, I sometimes forget to get my blood work done. Um, and also when I cancel a visit with her, it's always months before I could get in to see her again. Um, but the last time I had my, my blood work done, my A1C was a 5.6. Um, for those of you who don't know anything about diabetes or A1C or anything like that, um, a normal A1C is five or under, I believe. If you're an RN or some, feel free to correct me guys. If I'm wrong on anything, I have no problem with the accountability. Um, but so you want to be around like a five or under if you're in normal range, anything above a five is considered pre-diabetic or if you get above a six, diabetic. So um, I had been on keto a while and I had to get a surgery done, a very minute um, outpatient thing, but uh, it required me to go get blood work from a bunch of different doctors. And I had two doctors, not my diabetic doctor, obviously. My endocrinologist knows that I'm a diabetic, but um, I had a new primary doctor and also the doctor that was doing the surgery looking over my blood work and both of them had the same reaction to my A1C. They were both like, hey, you know, um, I just want to warn you that you, you seem to be pre-diabetic and you should probably go to an endocrinologist. And I laughed and I was like, oh, funny story. So I am a diabetic. And then they were like, oh, in that case, that's fantastic. Um, because for a type two diabetic, which is what I am, um, an A1C of 5.6 is, it's, that's, that's dream. That's the dream number right there. Um, <laughs> and the last time I got my blood work done from my diabetic doctor, from my endocrinologist, she had told me that my numbers were so perfect on every area that she wanted to hang it on a wall and let people know, like, this is what it's supposed to look like. Um, and that was after being on strict keto. So these are the reasons why I wanted to go back on it. It works really well with my body. If you don't want to go on keto, like that's perfectly fine. My suggestion to people is to find the diet that works best for you. For me, this was something that I prayed about for a long time, asking God to help me find something that really worked for me, that didn't leave me hungry um, and this is what he led me to. And I really do feel strongly that he led me, um, in that area. And that's why I've had so much success. And that goes back into the story of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and how it all relates and correlates to that verse that we opened with this morning, right? So, um, sorry, I'm getting a phone call, obviously. Uh, so Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel, they all gave their diets over to the Lord in order to honor him. And that's what I want to do. I want to do that. And these were not men who had hearts that were far from God. You know, um, they talked the talk and they walked it as well. And that's my prayer for us as believers in Christ. Um, 
that we would take these stories from the Bible and we would be able to learn from them and apply them to our lives in a way that says, you know, Lord, I don't want just my words to speak for you. I want my actions to follow suit. And one part of this verse that really hits me hard is where it talks about how um, their worship is a farce for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. And I think this is something that in particular the church in America has really done. We've taken so many man-made rules and applied them and called them God's rules. One of the big things that I see with this is bringing politics into the church um, and trying to make God somebody who chooses between peoples. Um, and there's a verse in scripture that I really love where uh, one of, hold on, let me look it up. I should have had this before I started recording, but um, it was in the Old Testament and it was during a time where the Israelites were fighting. I want to say that it was Jacob, maybe it was Gideon, hold on, um, where an angel appears and they ask the angel, uh, whose side is God on? And he says, neither. I'm not for this person or for that person. I'm, I'm for God, you know? Um, and that's what I feel like God calls us all to. He's not asking us to choose between peoples. Obviously, when there is a war, when there is a fight, there are casualties on both sides. Um, but God created us all and he loves us all so much. And I feel like here in America, especially, we have come into this place of choosing sides and choosing, you know, what God wants in a situation rather than asking him what he wants in a situation. And I think that we need to go back to that. You know, the Bible says that if my people who humble themselves will call to me, I will hear from heaven. I will hear the heal their land. And that was spoken specifically to the people of Israel. That wasn't spoken to us today. But I think what we can learn from that and what we can learn from all of the New Testament is that as we're going through all of these different things, as we repent, as we come before the Lord and we confess our wrongdoing, he's quick to forgive us and point us in the right direction. Um, so, you know... Let us not let our worship be in vain. Don't do things out of an attempt to gain some sort of status or um, as the Pharisees were doing to be looked at in some sort of way because ultimately God sees the condition of your heart. He sees your intention. Um, there's no hiding from him. You know, there is no way for us to say, well, you know, um, I'm doing this and this is the reason I'm doing it and, and keep the actual hidden motive away from God. Um, be honest with your intentions, even if they aren't right, be honest with somebody that you're having doubts. Um, you know, I, at one of my, my small groups, we're going through this study called rooted right now. And I just really love how this book is asking us such intentional questions about our walk with God and causing us to look deeper into it and see where it is that we might have 
strongholds that we've given to the enemy to allow him to draw us away and tempt us away from God and lead us into sin. Um, and I think that's something that we all as believers really need to practice is this space of confession and repentance and then accountability, you know, going to people around us and asking them to hold us accountable to the things of God. Um, and even right now with all these things that are going on in the world, um, I think we need to be real authentic followers of Christ more than ever. Um, because there's people in the world who are looking for hope. They're looking to see us succeed in this walk with Christ. They don't want to see us fail. They want to see us succeed because it gives them hope that the same way that God has changed and shaped our lives, he could do for them. And when we get caught up in all the things of this life um, and we ignore the bigger picture, we're showing them something that isn't true. You know, when we come into Christ, God changes us. He changes us from the inside out. And he can only do so with as much as we give him. You know, um, I, I love uh, in James when it talks about that, you know, what you sow, you will also reap. You know, if you're putting into God, you're going to reap from the Holy Spirit. If you're putting into the world, you're going to reap destruction. Um, and we need this more so now than ever. If you look around, I mean, there's so many things happening nowadays. We see this war in Israel. We see this war in Ukraine. We see um, so many people dying young and so many people living in sin openly. I mean, it's just so free and out there now. Demon worship is just out there and in front of us now. It's not hidden. The enemy isn't hiding. So why are you? Why are you? Why are you taking the light that God has given you and putting it under a bushel when the enemy is so out and loud and proud to say everything that he wants to say? You have outright musicians just dressing as demonic spirits and proclaiming their worship to the devil in their music. But you're afraid to tell your coworkers that you go to church on a Sunday. You know, we need to ask God for boldness. We need to ask him for his spirit to guide us in our daily conversations. And I think that only comes when we do the work to reside in the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. If you're walking in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You know, that's what it tells us in the word of God, that these are the things that we need to be concentrating on. If you're concentrating on God, if you're focusing on him, if you're focusing on things above and not the things of this earth, then you're going to walk in a way that showcases the glory of your life to Jesus, to God. It's going to give him the glory. It's going to give him the honor. And it's going to allow him to shape you from the inside out. Does that mean that we don't make mistakes? I mean, I'd be a hypocrite myself if I said, oh, I'm perfect and I make absolutely no mistakes. I make mistakes all the time. Um, and it took me very many years to be okay with that because at first I felt like, okay, well, I'm, I'm a Christian now. I can't make any mistakes. But that is the truth about being an authentic believer in Christ is that you make mistakes, but like Daniel, right? Uh, not Daniel, like David, when he made a mistake and he was confronted by it, quickly repents and confesses that it's against God that he committed this sin. And because of that, 
he repents and he asks God for forgiveness and then he gives over to God's sovereignty, over to his control over the situation and he accepts the consequences for his actions. You know, we want we want the forgiveness but we don't want any of the consequences. Um, but there are consequences for our sin, which is why we need to be authentic in our walk and show the world the mercy and the forgiveness of our Father. That yes, we go through these things, we make these mistakes, but that God is a forgiving God. And as the Bible says, a righteous man, when he falls, can get back up. So with that, um, I know we're going to be diving into a lot of things coming up. And I really just want to encourage you to go after the things of God. Um, and don't let your worship be a farce. Don't don't give in to false religion and false hopes that don't really mean anything. They're perishable. They're perishable and they will one day go away. Look to the things that are eternal. Look to Jesus and allow him to guide you. He loved you so much that he died on a cross for you. You know, sin separated us from God. It created this great chasm, this great divide where we were unable to have that relationship. And God loved us so much that he sent Jesus, his son, to die, to die the death of a sinner in order to pay the payment for our sins that we could be in connection with God again. And through that, through acceptance of his sacrifice, through the acknowledgement of his sacrifice, through knowing who Jesus is and accepting that, repenting of our sins, and calling on the name of Jesus, we can be saved and now have connection with God forever, for all eternity. It is such a beautiful free gift that he has given. And if you need to take those next steps and accept Christ as your savior, or if you already have, and you need to repent and get back in alignment with him, you could always take the next right step. You don't need to wait. You don't need to make yourself perfect to come to him. You can come to him just as you are today and allow him to work out those things in your life that are not of him. So God bless you. I will speak to y'all soon. Y'all have a great day.